if you really want to understand your business, ask your grandmother or your children, because they will question what it is you, what your employees just take for granted, and your grandma won't hold back. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on episode 601 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with co-founder and managing director of Sherman Samuels, Paul Sherman. Paul came out of corporate America to leverage his considerable skills as an advisor helping companies unleash the next level of growth. He has used relationship building as the core value that has propelled everything he's done, both as an employee and as a consultant. Paul's story is compelling. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Paul Sherman. Paul is a dynamic C-suite leader with finance, strategy, operations excellence, customer success, and business development experience in healthcare services and technology, commercial real estate, and multi-unit restaurants. He has operated in private equity, public, and family-owned companies. Paul has a passion for developing talent, professionalizing, and transforming highly motivated teams to exceed expectations. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. Well, Paul, as I just mentioned, you've had a very successful career as a high-achieving professional, and you're now building your own advisory business. It's pretty clear, and you and I have had some discussions before this, about how relationships have really been kind of um, the cornerstone of your success and obviously in an advisory business, relationships are also very critical. How do you make relationship building a daily and a multi-year habit? Yeah, thank you, David. Any business, all businesses, any organization is all about people. And I have believed for a long time that if you help people to be as excited to get up in the morning and to come to work and do what they do, as I have always been, Great people do great things. And so I would say that I have always understood the importance of developing relationships within a workplace. Uh, what I learned when I left LNR Property Corporation 12 years ago was the importance of developing relationships outside of the workplace. And beginning and building relationships, which for me is, is truly based on helping people, expecting nothing in return, never keeping score, and developing relationships to help people for no other reason than I can, whether those folks are within our workplace, within our industry, within our geographic marketplace, within my CFO or executive background, 
And so now moving into the advisory business, our purpose, our passion is, has really enabled us to, to move in and, and develop those relationships further and in a different way. Yeah. Now, I also believe that it's really important to help people and also not to keep score and not to expect anything in return. However, I have also encountered people in the networking world, they say there are, there are people who are givers, takers, and exchangers. And ideally, in relationship building, the best relationships happen between two exchangers. I've found that, um, assuming that I'm, I'm giving and not expecting anything in return, that I do come across people that are just takers. And I may be willing to give at first a little bit, but I, um, my patience isn't endless. <laughs> and, I, and I reach a point where I say, um, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to make time for this person. Yes. A lot of people have asked me that question over the years. And, and the conclusion that I arrived at was that it's about my brand. And I want my brand. What I've worked hard at building is my brand as a person who begins and develops relationships and helps people. And so I decided, and obviously each to his own and their own conclusions, that I'm going to continue to help that person, no matter what. And, and while the emotional side says and speaks loudly, ah, but they take and they don't give, I still come back to it's about my behavior and it's about my actions and I want my brand to, to still be one of help. Okay, fair enough. Within that context, one of the places I see professionals going out on their own, starting their own business, when it's a service-based business, an advisory business, some, something where essentially you, you're in the helping role in what you do and what you get paid for, there's often a fine line between the help that you offer where you don't charge versus the help that you offer where you do charge. And in the beginning, if you don't have sort of, you, you haven't really clearly delineated what are the actual concrete programs you're offering or the way in which you are providing services, sometimes that's a little muddy. I wonder what your experience has been. I'm learning, David. I'm always learning. I've spent my life, my career learning. And this journey to become an advisor, to become a trusted advisor, is also a tremendous learning because I've helped people and I've helped people willingly and I've never charged for it. And so now here I am and, and this is my, my purpose and my passion. And so that's, I would say for me, a continual learning. I haven't fully evolved from, from doing what I love to do and charging for it or let's say doing what I love to do and not charging for it, to doing what I love to do and charging for it. I do believe that it's always a long game. Life is a, a long journey. When I begin relationships with people, I, I hope that we, we nurture and we build that relationship for decades. And so I still look at it that if I'm able to help somebody today, if I'm able to make a, a significant impact, positive impact on their life and career journey, good things happen to good people. And whether that leads to payment in the short term or the long term or never, I'm still open-minded. Ask me again, maybe in a couple of years, but that has been my approach. Do you use any particular structure to try to build these relationships and maintain them? Structure, no. I've always made very good notes in my uh, Google contacts, my Outlook. 
so whenever I have the conversation, I'm, I'm always one to take a lot of notes. But I believe that relationships are best built when they're genuine, when they're authentic, when, when you just let the conversation go wherever it goes. And if, if the first time we begin talking, we talk solely about our families or our passion for a particular hobby, or uh, I'm from England, so my, my English football team, and that's okay because it's wherever this conversation journey goes and wherever our relationship, however our relationship evolves, as long as it's genuine and authentic and not forced. So I, I would say not a structured conversation with a template of questions I really love to just let it flow. Mm-hmm. And what about structure in terms of touch points, especially when it comes to business development? I, mean, I know one of the things that um, consultants and advisors often struggle with is they need to have, if they're going to build a book of business that involves X number of relationships, they need to have Y number of touch points in order to yield a certain amount of closed business. And some people are very unstructured in the way they have those touch points. Others are very structured because they see that the data result in not just good quality conversations, but they also result in in sustainable business. Yes, certainly I'm new to the advisory game. And when I left my last company and I began to work hard at networking and learning the ways in which I could uh, proceed and excel at my way of networking. I would always ask questions of consultants, advisors, service providers. How do you build relationships? How do you develop relationships? And along the way, uh, a lot of different answers. and, And I learned the different ways that people go about it. And there are so many, there are so many ways. And I adopted the ways in which I was comfortable with my personality that that fit. And I do look at it that there are so many, whether it is a post on LinkedIn. Uh, I began a a networking organization, a pure networking organization 12 years ago called South Florida Business Forum for VP level and above, C-suite, managing directors, et cetera. And we meet quarterly and that enabled me to reach out to to people, touch points to people. Each event is no charge. So I'm not asking anything of the people I'm touching base with other than if you love to network with senior level people, with no speakers, with just in a pure networking environment, come. And in other ways, similarly, I've been a member of a CFO group where it involves both pure networking and content within my optical industry, within my restaurant background. So I would say I've maintained a different cadence in different ways with lots of different groups of people because otherwise it is very hard i'm not a, i'm not a birthday card holiday card new year type of person but what i do now that i never used to do previously is i've, I've always just sent brief congratulations to people whether it's, it's see something on linkedin see something that's that, that a person is very proud of i'll send them a private message and it's another way of just maintaining but it's genuine and it's not asking for, for anything in return. Yeah, no, I love the way you approach this as um, needing to fit your own personality and your own values, which is really important. Yes, it's about being comfortable. For me, it's always about, in any workplace, being able to be me in the way that I can bring the best, best version of myself. 
and the way I behave, the way I work. And I think networking is the same. If you try and force it in a way that you're not comfortable, in a way that's not natural with who you are, and it's the way somebody else would do it, it's not sustainable. And people see through it. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, Paul, you've been in a number of different industries. You've been in a number of different types of organizational structures, and you've had significant roles in many of these positions. What prompted you to launch your own advisory business? It was not thought out. I thoroughly enjoyed, love working at ABB Optical Group. And, and I love the roles that I was in there as a CFO and responsibility for, for various different functions. And then lastly, as chief development officer. And the commonality for me, David, was doing what it is I'm capable of doing to help the company grow and to help people grow. And, and when I made the decision to move on from ABB, it wasn't a natural, immediate thought to become an advisor, but it only took about a week when I realized that what I love to do, my purpose, my why, my passion is to help companies manage and unleash growth. And to be able to do that as a trusted advisor for leaders, with leaders to enhance their people, to enhance the growth journey that they're already on, it just felt like what I'm supposed to be doing at this part of my my career journey and my life journey. And there were a number of people at that time that just naturally asked, well, you're doing this for the short term until you land a, a C-level role. And no, I'm convinced, I was convinced, I had to convince people, this is my choice. This is my next step. This is my Paul 2.0. And I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be more excited. Certainly, Sherman Samuels, what made it all the more meaningful is to be able to work with Jay Samuels my business partner, who I hired 30 years ago at Burger King Corporation. He moved with me to LNR Property Corporation and to ABB Optical Group. And so teaming up with somebody that I know and trust and respect and admire and being able to share in the, the journey and the excitement is very meaningful for me than just it being Sherman advisory and doing it myself. Mm. Who's your ideal client? That's a great question. I would say it's also one that I fumbled through the answers. Because I've worked in different industries, different company size, different capital structures, it is not a targeted approach with companies of a certain size or, or look and feel. What I find the commonality, David, is that it's about companies that are committed to creating that short-term growth and the long-term value. Companies that honestly assess their own and their organization's strengths and weaknesses and that they're self-confident enough to recognize that what got them here might not be good enough to get them there and possess the self-confidence to admit that they don't know what they don't know and be willing to invest in talented people, whether they be employees or trusted advisors. And that for me is a, is a great match because I want to be able to help optimize companies' growth journeys. And those are the ingredients that make it a good match for me, for Sherman Samuels, for for the client. Hmm. How did you realize who your ideal client is? You know, I think my ideal client is very much modeled on the ideal people I've worked for, worked with, the people that I've 
most enjoyed being around that I've learned from. And, and so I see it, David, that a journey, my journey as an advisor now is no different than my role as an advisor, as an employee, as a C-suite executive within a workplace where I'm working with other people and we're advising each other and combined, uh, our superpowers combined enable us to help grow our business. Mm-hmm. What's the advantage of doing it as an advisor rather than as an employee? I wouldn't say it's an advantage. I would say that another component of my approach throughout my career is to always be transparent, fully transparent, to, to get to the point, to say it like it is. And I do think that sometimes within a work environment, employees might not be able to to say it that way because of the internal politics or because of their their own personalities. Sometimes the answer is right there in front of us, but we don't see it. Uh, a long time ago, when I was at a, a talent development event, and one of the speakers said, if you really want to understand your business, ask your grandmother or your children, because they will question <laughs> what it is you just take for granted, what your employees, what your colleagues just take for granted, and your grandma won't hold back. And I, I just see it that as an advisor, without any fear within a workplace of, of what my words may bring. So I don't see it as an advantage. It's the same way I've worked within the workplace, but not necessarily everybody does. So does that mean, Paul, that you can be the organization's grandmother? <laughs> At this age, yeah. <laughs> what keeps your ideal clients awake at night? Oh, I don't know what keeps them awake. What in my in the environments that I was honored to work within, growth is challenging. Growth is exhilarating, certainly is much better than the alternative of, of the decline. I've, I've been within that too, and the spiral and the very difficult turnaround. But growth brings its challenges nonetheless. And growing without the right foundation, growing without the right flexible financing, without the right talent can be detrimental and, and, and damaging as well. So what always, I've always slept like a baby or like a grandma, uh, what always I wouldn't say anything kept me up at night, but what I was always sitting is what more, what different, how should we be thinking about it? If we, if our growth isn't always going to be linear, how do we shorten the plateau periods before we get on the next growth surge? Yeah, certainly when, when you're, you can be selling more product or service or experience an acceleration of time and struggle to meet expenses you can have cash flow challenges I, i've yes. seen that that's that's one you can sell more and have trouble delivering correct because you don't you don't have the you don't have the the people on board or you don't have the uh the manufacturing equipment if, if you have a product uh yeah all these kinds of things can happen yes i would tell you in my career at each of the environments i've been in it's the latter that i think every division or subsidiary or company that I've worked in, we as leaders tend to have a beautiful glut of ideas, a plethora of ideas and exciting opportunities. But even the most successful companies struggle to unemotionally vet all options, execute and and adjust where necessary. And 
companies, leaders, often underestimate the complexity and the levels of effort to execute. And hardworking, resourceful folks that want to do their best for us and in their careers will very often say, yes, 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 I can take that on. But the end result is we're fooling ourselves and we struggle to execute in the optimal manner that would enable for the results, for the, for the execution, the delivery of our brand promise to a customer in the way that we would want it to. And that has certainly been, as, as we've got out the gate in our advisory board, advisory business, that's certainly been an area that we've been able to help companies with. Oh, yeah, that is so often true. I'm just thinking on a small scale, I have very rarely taken on um, a home renovation project that has come in under budget or <laughs> under time. It's always the other way around. And, uh, and I think almost everything in life seems to work that way. Yes. Yes. Well, because it's so difficult to turn away an opportunity. It's so hard to turn down what seems like a tremendous opportunity for a company. But if you can't do it right, and if it comes at the expense of also shortchanging another important opportunity, then something has to give. And, and making those difficult prioritization and trade-off decisions, allocating resource and time and making sure you've got the right people in the right places doing the right things is a continual, never-ending challenge. Yeah. Saying no is a much more difficult decision than saying yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's, it's something that we all struggle with. That there's, there's no person, I, I would say perhaps the person that says no all the time might find that their career journey isn't as pleasurable. <laughs> but, <laughs> but most people that wish to learn and grow in their career and companies that wish to, to, to learn and grow and create shareholder value uh, fear to yes. And I am naturally wired as a yes, how can we, and what if we, and imagine if we could. But at the same time, it takes that discipline to, to be able to say no when you need to. Well said. Well, Paul, congratulations on everything that you've achieved in your career. And, um, and this latest chapter sounds very exciting. I'm looking to see how it unfolds. Thank you, David. What do you envision at this point going forward? We're building a business with the intent to, to help our clients of, of differing shapes and sizes, whether they are third generation family, whether they're private equity owned. And, and I would tell you just as I've always built a team of outstanding people uh, that I've helped to develop and guide and grow, it's our same intent with Sherman Samuels that, that we wish to be able to scale and add talented people and serve clients uh, to help them achieve their objectives. It's very admirable. If um, anyone wants to learn more about you, access any resources you may have, or get in touch, what's the best place for them to go? Today, the best place is LinkedIn. And uh, we have an advisory, small advisory deck in our Sherman Samuels or in our profiles. Our website is coming soon. As it wasn't premeditated, it, it wasn't as if we took months to develop the website and launch once all of the tools were, were available, but they will be coming. Well, it's the two of you, and, and LinkedIn yes. is the perfect place for that. So, I believe so, yes. Especially if, if uh, what you're doing is predicated upon relationships, then yes, people need to speak to you yes. more, more than they need to look at a pretty website. That's right. So 
um, yeah, we will include that your your LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. And um, yeah, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and, and share a really rewarding discussion about what it takes to build uh, successful relationships, what it takes to build successful organizations, how to frame your thinking around growth so that it can be as successful as possible and avoid some of the major pitfalls that do happen when you grow quickly. And I wish you lots and lots of success ahead. Um, I look forward to staying in touch. My guest today has been co-founder and managing director of Sherman Samuels, Paul Sherman. Thank you again, Paul, for joining us. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how you can use relationships to become the backbone of business growth and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.